Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Fights, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, we're halfway into spring training and somehow a week and a half away from opening day. How are you? I'd be doing a lot better if I were where you at, where you're at right now. I mean, as soon as you figure out how to get me a Crux coffee through the uh, through this virtual call, I'll feel a lot better. I'll see if Vicky can get on that. That will be the first question once I walk back in there. <laughs> I think I'm a little too far for a for a DoorDash delivery from them right now, but delivery it'd be nice. will be a bit too much. Maybe try to meet in halfway. Maybe get into the North Northern Broward Deerfield Beach area. They'll cut it down a little bit, but who knows? Even then, yeah, I wish. But yeah, yeah no, it's a good. It's good to it's good to know baseball's right around the corner, especially now with the March Madness dying down. The Canes are done, so at this point... I felt that run I, by the Canes, though. I mean, yeah. what a run. Well, a tremendous run. I mean, hopefully they can do something like that and and be sustainable, and, have, and it won't be a fluke, but it was fun to watch, but now it's baseball season, and not not to deviate from pro baseball, but Canes baseball doing not too bad either last... Uh, Last few days, but let's see how the let's see how these boys do. Let's see how the Marlins do. Let's see, how, especially with all these moves, and we've already seen some of the new additions in action. Jorge Soler is already out and about, and, and uh, you know, yeah, I know he had the big debut, the three hit game. You've been you've been watching him up close. I mean, has he? How's that? How's that swing looked? How's he? How's he looked on the field? Yeah, the swing looked good. And again, he's only played in two games. He's only had I think it's seven at bats total or eight at bats total through these first two games, but. He's looked good, obviously, getting two hits in his first inning. Not just first game, his first inning of spring training with the Marlins is obviously a plus. Let's hope that he didn't peak by getting those two hits in that first inning alone. But the swing looks good. His at-bats look, have looked fine. But again, it's spring training. He's still getting up to his normal progression just because of the simple fact that he just reported to camp a week ago. So he wasn't really doing much live ABs while he was on the free agent market. So the Marlins gave him the first four days of camp to just be on the backfield and literally be the leadoff guy of every inning of every game that he was on the backfield. So he got a lot of reps before getting into the live games. Watch him rip a couple off Edward Cabrera his first day when he reported. Uh, but yeah, he had three hits that first game. His defense in the left, the two games he will say, I will say that's also been a good surprise. Again, as we know his defense metrics aren't the best. But he tracked every ball down that he's gotten to so far, including in the, I think it was the second inning on Monday against Kierbert Ruiz from the Nationals. It was a low, it was a shallow fly ball. It started sinking really fast. He made the jump, it made, made the good run and was able to make a diving grab at it. So you saw the instincts are there. You saw, you saw the pieces are there. And if he can just play average defense to go along with what the Marlins hope is that can bring, that's going to be a big plus to, both to both the lineup and to shore up some things because the outfield defensively we know is going to be a work in progress. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you know that, that's kind of the stability you're looking for, right? And then uh, some some punch in the bat for sure. In the lineup, I mean, the from from the hitting side is going to be huge. But I know you wanted to talk about for sure. You wanted to jump into this rotation that seems to be you know forming now, and and but mainly a guy who won't be in the rotation from the beginning. But Edward Cabrera, you know, his debut was pretty solid. And, 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 and uh, you know, the plan for him, I guess, is to bring him along a little bit and, and see if he can avoid, see if he can stay healthy for, for one thing. But uh, the fastball was there up in the upper 90s where, where you'd expect it to be. 
And and it looked like, you know, with the new pitch, he's added the sinker now too. Like it looked like the, the mix has gone pretty well for him, you know, so far in spring. Yeah, no, I'm really liking what they're doing with him, specifically with the fastballs. Because last year he just threw a, a four seam. It didn't really have much life outside. Obviously the velo was good, but it didn't really have much movement. Uh, mm-hmm. Mel Stoudemire Jr. is trying to add a sinker into it that basically separates the fastball that he had last year into two separate pitches. One that's a four seam more straight and more, and then the sinker that's going to have a little bit more bite to it. This way he has two different fastballs they can play with, both still in the high 90s. And then hopes that that also plays off of his slider, which looked really, really good when he made his debut on Monday. He was able to get Nelson Cruz to look silly on it for a, a swinging strike three. And if he can add that and play around with his pitch speeds, throw the fastball 98, throw the fastball 98, have a change of a 92, and then, oh, what's this? An 85 to 88 slider that has movement is going to get people to whiff? Mm. That just adds that extra element to his game outside of just, yeah, he throws hard. Yeah, Obviously, that breaking ball is going to be be very key for him, just like it is for a lot of the guys on the staff. But in terms of his development, he was he's came in the spring training. He missed the first day. He was delayed getting in from the Dominican Republic. He was slower to start his progression while he was in the DR. Again, one of the tricky parts of the lockout was guys on the 40-man roster couldn't communicate with their with the Marlins coaching staff. And they also didn't know how far along should they be at, at any certain point in time. So they didn't know when the season was going to start. They didn't want to know if they were going to overdo it. So Edward, while he was in the DR, he kept things a little bit more low-key, which obviously had him combi- had him behind compared to, say, Sandy Alcantara, who came in ready to throw four innings, Pablo and Trevor ready to throw two or three, Jesus ready to throw – Jesus Lazardo ready to throw three. So he did a lot of backfield work the first two weeks. He threw three innings on Monday, which was solid. Threw four, it was 45 pitches, 29 for strikes, got three strikeouts against what looked like the Nats opening day lineup. But Don Mattingly said it best when I talked to him after the game. He's like, without making the final decision right now, we're going to let him work, help, work himself up until he's ready, which basically means he's going to start in the minors, which makes right. sense. Again, and it's not like they need him to be in the majors on day one. They do have five guys who can fill the rotation. It, and the order looks like which, what we talked about last week. It's most likely going to be Tre- uh, Sandy Alcantara at the one, Pablo Lopez at the two, Trevor Rogers third, Elias Hernandez four, Jesus Lazaro five, which, again, I like how I like the, the ordering of that. It breaks up the two lefties and Trevor and Jesus, so you don't have the two lefties back-to-back. And it gives you... Again, you have the steady guy at the top three, and if Jesus Lazardo, I'm going to say this: he's going to be a he has the chance to be a very sneaky good number five. He looks like he's more comfortable in his role with the Marlins this year. Obviously, the numbers didn't don't show what he what he could do when he came over last year. It was a dozen starts, high six ERA. The whip was about one six, but he was at a point last year where. Again, getting trades to the hometown team, felt the pressure there, had that maybe he wasn't met the mental side of his game wasn't where he needed to be, where he got he got into a jam, runners on first and third. He would basically just buckle down and just try to throw a 99 mile an hour fastball past someone and just get beaten. Yeah. Yeah. No, and now he's learned to mix and match his pitches. He's learned to he's learned how to settle down. Like right. he, had, he had his example it was on Sunday. He had runners on first and third, and he was able to get out of the jam. He said, 
If this was Jesus Lazario in the regular season last year, I would have walked the guy to load base. And they've been giving up three hits. And then at that point, well, there goes my start. And right. He said that he feels stronger between the ears. He feels more mentally comfortable with his stuff, with the catchers that he's working with now after getting some time to work with. Mm. Simply Peyton Henry, he's the one who's caught him both starts here. And he caught him for the most part toward the end of last season. So that gives him a little bit more comfortability with the guys with Mel Sotomayor with learning what his game plan needs to be and knowing that he doesn't necessarily need to throw his fastball 99 for it to be effective, even though he's been able to throw a 99 in the zone in spring, which helps. Yeah, that's, that's probably your spot right there is that whenever he comes up in the rotation, you're going to have Henry uh, spell Stallings at that point, which we're, you know, that's, that's another one that I remember we talked about saying that the more defensive minded guy, he'd probably end up being the backup and, Look what happened. You ended up yeah. being on, on, on ball with that. Um, the other thing, too, is if, if Cabrera can be effective, you're talking about him long term. I mean, all of a sudden, if Pablo, the, the two, two of the biggest keys there is talking about Lozardo, if he's even half as a uh, halfway better than he was last year in terms of effectiveness like that and handling those high stress innings, it, it's so huge on the back end. But to me, another key to this whole rotation, especially later on when it really forms the way they like it, if Cabrera can make that leap, is Pablo Lopez. Correct. At that point. Because I, it's almost like, to me, look, looking at the Marlins, like, I know what I've got with Sandy. I'm starting to kind of know what I've got with Trevor. We'll see, though. I mean, it's still early. I mean, he's got to it, – it, got to make sure that he can carry over what he did last year. But, I mean, at least from seeing the, the, the pitch, the slider's gotten better, everything – it, they're they're almost like the two wild cards where if all that kind of clicks together, so that stuff we were talking about a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago, right? Like when like all this has to click for them, all of a sudden you're looking at a rotation that even if you're not completely lights out every single night, but you look you you feel good that all right, this guy can give you a decent start, four out of five to the point where you're getting to almost where all five, if they're on, can get you that, especially early in the year to have a good start to the season, and that'd be huge for them. I mean, I know another thing that we've been talking about is this, how you're going to start with two, basically you're going to start with two extra players for almost a month. Yeah. I mean, who's it from what you're hearing? What, what are you kind of seeing as far as like who might be the two kind of, who, who are the, who is 27 and 28 maybe on this roster? So people kind of know, all right, these are the guys are probably going to carry early on. And then maybe, or, or, or kind of a mix of players right now, who, who would kind of be that? Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, the way baseball is doing is because, again, with short and spring training, they're letting for the first month up until I think it's May 1st. Teams can have 28 players, and, again, it's no limit on specific player types. You can technically carry 15 pitchers and 13 position players if you want. You can do 14-14. You can do 13 pitchers, 15 position players, whatever. But the main thing to note is by May 1st, it has to go down. You have to be at 13-13. It's 13 pitchers, 13 position players. With that and just knowing – where the Marlins are pitching wise, because again, with the DH, it frees you up to basically carry more pitchers if need be. And with the, and with the pitchers, not necessarily as worked up, especially the starters, you look at it like Sandy and, and Jesus Lazaro probably be the only ones ready to throw six their first turn with that, that to me signals, you're going to want to carry some extra bullpen arms. And especially when you look at the current state of the Marlins bullpen, Having an extra armor tour there probably would be a very good idea. Just gonna hint that in as we segue into our next topic. 
Yeah, perfect segue, right? I mean, I don't know. This thing right now, I mean, if, well, the biggest concern is that Dylan Floro, who was kind of like the – everyone kind of knows it but hasn't really said it, hasn't officially said it, kind of like the penciled-in closer possibly. I mean, he's out. So if he's out, oh, God, like what happens? Like well, how are they going to mix this together? I mean, you you talked to Mel. I mean, what, what, what the impression you got of him? Like, I mean, I don't – some of the stuff is kind of like just kind of just him chatting with you, but at least at least in, in paraphrasing in, in terms yeah. of like how would they deal with this if Floro's not ready to go uh, in a couple of weeks? Yeah, of course. Yeah, talking to Mel, I've talked with a couple other people inside the organization and just talked with a bunch of the relievers as well throughout camp. And the general consensus is if Dylan Floro isn't ready for opening day, he's been dealing with some arm soreness. Uh, Don Mattingly said his first bullpen session was not what they want to see from a guy like Dylan Flores. So they've been slow tracking him, hasn't gotten to a game yet. So if he's not ready for opening day, it's looking like Anthony Bender will be the primary closer of choice for the Marlins to start the season until Floro gets ready. And then they can start figuring out, depending on how Bender does, what they do with Flores. Do they just throw him straight back into the closer role? Do they alternate between the two of them? Whatever. But it looks like Anthony Bender will get the primary bulk of the ninth inning safe situation scenarios should Dylan Floro not be available for the high leverage innings before him, the sixth, seventh, eighth inning close games. That's where things get tricky. Again, you have guys like Anthony Bass and Richard Blyer, Bass righty, Blyer lefty as your main two high leverage guys. And it's looking like they're going to go by situation. Like for example, if the seventh inning comes up and you have, and the next four do up are lefty, lefty, righty, lefty, you're most likely going to see Blyer. If it's the if it's the sixth inning and you're close and you see, and it's the heart of the order, you very well can see Bass come in in the sixth. They are trying to figure out just how to get the guys to get the most productive outs possible, even if it's not in the normal, normal traditional seventh inning setup, eight, eighth inning setup, closer role, which obviously – yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I guess the I guess the other I guess the other part of that too, which uh, cynical minds will say, is like you got to have leads in order to worry about this problem. Exactly. So let's see well, if the Marlins actually are beating some people heading into the sixth and seventh innings yeah, no, for this to actually well, be a legit no, argument. No doubt about it. But we'll be talking about the offense in the second half of the show. Which yeah. No, no, no. Some, I know, but it's just like my brain. My brain is thinking all these scenarios. And I'm like, how many of these yeah. am I actually going to see in the first ten yeah. games? Yeah. Or, and then and so on. Yeah, and then to roll roll through the rest of the bullpen. Uh, Zach Pop, who was the Rule 5 guy last year, made his debut, played all the big leagues last year after never playing above Double A, who showed some bright spots. They're going to give him some late, some high leverage responsibilities, but they're not going to just throw him into an eighth, ninth inning type role. They like his stuff, his fastball. He has the fastball slider sort of like Anthony Bender, but not to Bender's level. But he has the pitches that could give you another good high-quality guy once he starts getting some experience back there. Uh, Steven Oakert's another lefty who they used in some situations last year. Again, will be a secondary guy to Blyer in terms of the high leverage priority order with lefties. And then the other 40-man roster guys on who are in the bull, who are bullpen guys are Lewis Heddy they acquired from the Rays. He's thrown a few games. He's looked decent. Nothing that's – well, I'll be honest, I've only gotten to see one of them live because normally when the bullpen guys are in, we're in the clubhouse. But the, based off what I've heard from Mel and what Don Manning said, they like what he does. So he could be a more of a middle innings type guy, especially at least to start. 
Same for Sean Gunther, rookie last year. Really, the moment got to him last year, but he could be another one of those guys who is part of the early innings or if it's a, if it's a blowout loss, the guy who can eat an inning or two. And the other interesting thing with, again, with the universal DH and not necessarily needing a long bench, you can carry a couple guys who can be long relievers. You can right. carry uh, like a Don, Daniel Cassano, a Paul Campbell, a Cody Poteet to be a long inning guy or a guy who throws two to three innings as takes you and carries you. If you have a short start from, say, Pablo, he only goes four. You have a Cody Poteet who gets you through the fifth through seventh. Right, which and could happen, have, which could happen early on, like we were talking exactly. about, not just not just Pablo, but some anyone. Exactly. Yeah, and the Marlins are also transitioning a few of their starters into bullpen type roles. Nick Nider was the one that Don Nightingale mentioned mm-hmm. explicitly. They optioned him down the AAA, and the balance of moving these guys who have been starters their whole lives into relievers, you can't just throw them in right away and be like, "Yeah, I know you've been a starter your whole life, but we're going to need you to throw two innings today, two innings tomorrow, and two innings the next day." You don't know how their arms going to respond. So two guys, yeah. Yeah, so Donnie, Yeah, you don't know how they're going to – Yeah. Right. Yeah, so they're going to let them – they want to let some of these guys who haven't done the bullpen role have them experiment it with, with it in the minors and see how mm-hmm. their arms respond down there before, before having to have – Before them. you get – right, yeah, before you get thrown exactly. to the fire at the and top. And that gives yeah. you a situation like a Max Meyer where a lot of people are saying he could throw in the bullpen right now, he could be the closer right now. He hasn't been in a reliever type role since his freshman year in college. But that's always yeah. how people like. If you yeah. don't know baseball and you don't know that, you yeah. can't just like yeah, this willy nilly just throw yeah. him in that this way. This isn't MLB the show. You, this isn't right. MLB the show where you can just throw a guy out there and everything works yeah. out that way. And just yeah. keep an eye on his uh, stamina and that's it. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no. There's factors to this. Yeah, and Braxton Garrett's another interesting name. I mean, I gotta think he's still. You know, here you have your former first round pick. You know, you're sort of still developing as down the road. Let's see if he can still start. But you're saying, again, he could be a guy for now, at least. If he did pitch in the majors, he'd be probably in that, also in that multi-inning kind of spot right there. I mean, that's yeah. kind of interesting, too. Yeah, I would think he would be, again, uh, again, uh, based off the guys who are still in camp, Daniel Castano, Braxton Garrett, Paul Campbell, and Cody Poteet would be, before I would think would be competing for those type of jobs. I would think that, Poteet or Castano would get it just because they feel like they're more in that tweener type role between am I a starter, am I a reliever, am I a swingman? Paul Campbell is a, again, he should be a reliever long-term. I just, from what I saw from him last year, I feel like he needs to be in triple A. And he had to be on the, the big league roster all last year because he was a role five guy. So yeah. they had to carry him through the season. But I feel like he's a guy who could use a decent amount of seasoning in triple A, which is why I wouldn't project him anywhere near the opening day roster at this point. Braxton Garrett, if they want, if they preferred him over Castano as their lefty and were comfortable putting him full-time as a reliever, then I would say go with Gary over Castano. If you still think he has the chance to be a starter, have him begin, begin that AAA rotation, which, again, the reason they're moving a lot of these guys is you look at the competition just to make the AAA rotation right now. you got yeah. Edward Cabrera there. you got Max Meyer there. You got Jordan Holloway there, potentially, and then potentially part of this group of Garrett, Castano, Campbell, Poteet. If these guys potentially fighting for you, potentially have like seven guys for your five Triple A spots. Newsflash: The Jumbo Shrimp are going to pitch. Yes, they are. Yes, Did they, they are. hit. I don't know, but they're definitely going to be able to pitch up in Jacksonville. Yeah. They'll have JJ Bleday. They'll have Peyton Burdick. I think Gerard and Carnacion will be there. Uh, Lewin Diaz, Diaz, Diaz and Brian Gable Cruz are going to start there. 
So got some, tri- got some triple A power up there. Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, you've got you have pieces there. It's just figuring out how they're going to organize it with the bullpen. And again, with the extra guys, it's if you go with the 15 pitchers and 13 position players for the 28. You have five starters that gives you 10 bullpen arms. What about these two NRI and NRI? That's exactly, where, that's exactly where I was about to transition oh, to. Yeah, I mean, it's like names that, unless you're like a really hardcore Marlins fan that's really, really, really been paying attention, and you are out there. And we who appreciate are, you. Who, who exactly are Grant Dayton and Sean Armstrong to the general public that if those guys are on the opening day roster and they come into a game, people are going to be like, who? Exactly. Yeah. So I'll start with Charm on Sean Armstrong just because he has the perfect last name for a pitcher. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I told you they had a pitcher back in the day, Jack Armstrong. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Sean Armstrong was a 2011, uh, 2011 draft pick by the Cleveland Indians, now Guardians. Uh, yeah. He's been in the big leagues. He's for parts of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seasons. Played a little bit with Cleveland. He and Mel Stoudemire Jr. actually overlapped in Seattle. So Mel mm. Stoudemire Jr. has some experience with him. I haven't seen too much of him personally because, again, it's a problem with – that's one of the things with the way spring training works now. Again, I love having clubhouse access again. But it's also – it happens when the starters come out. That's fifth, sixth, sixth, the fifth or sixth inning. We're in the clubhouse when most of the relievers are going. So I've had my chance to get too much eyes on Sean Armstrong, but – Don Mattingly's been impressed with him. Mel Steinmeier Jr. obviously has the experience with him. He's liked him. Uh, Grant Dayton, I did get to watch his one inning to this point on Monday. He was a non-roster invite. He was with the Braves the last couple years. Uh, Missed the back half of their World Series run with a shoulder injury. But he's a lefty. He's not going to flash the Vila. I think he topped out like 92. But got two strikeouts, has swing and miss stuff. And they are both guys who – have some potential to crack this opening day roster, especially with the extra guys. I'm pulling up stack ass stuff now. Uh, Sean Armstrong last year, his fastball spin rate was in the 96th percentile. Uh, I'm trying to pull up some of his other key metrics. Give me a couple seconds. His four-seam fastball, he had 33% whiff rate on his fastball last year, 33% on the cutter. Uh, throws a slider as well that had 23, 23.5% uh, swing and miss rate. He had 27, 30. He had 44 strikeouts against not a lot of walks. So he fits the mold that they like for Charles Armstrong. A lot of strikeouts, a, lot of, a decent amount of swing and miss, low walk rate. And uh, Grant Dane gives you another, another left-handed option who has experience in the big leagues. So this gives you some more guys. And again, when you look at veterans on this in this bullpen, it's Floro, Bass, Blyer. That's really it. Everyone else is relatively young. So if you can have another guy who's been there, done that, even if he isn't a household name, that's at least going to give that's going to give some value, whether it's a little bit they do on the field, but it's going to give you some value in the clubhouse as well. No, there's, there's no doubt. I mean, and, and that's one of the, to me, that's still one of the concerns with this team. I mean, you hope they're in situations again where this becomes a relevant issue, but it worries me a little bit. Just like the, just like last year, is this a repeat of last year where they should have addressed this and should have brought in more help? especially on the closer end. Yeah. But let's see. Hopefully, if, if for their sake, if Floro's, if, if Floro's injury is not that bad, that it doesn't keep him out too long, then they could stabilize there on the back end. But especially those, those, those high leverage three we're talking about, that's where these guys have to step up. And you're right. I mean, veteran experience, I mean, 
heck, look at Richard Blyer when the pandemic happened, what was going on at its height, and and he needed to come in as a replacement guy because he was an experienced guy, ended up helping out, and him and others. But look how now he's been able to transition into, you know, getting a contract, and now he's a stable part of that that bullpen. But having the longest-tenured reliever at this point. Right. But but to your point of you don't have a guy coming in who's just first time ever throwing a bunch of kids out, a bunch of rookies out that have never done this before. I mean that 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 is there's a there's a definite value to, in in having that and it's big. So and before we close the segment, just so you know, Jordan, Jack Armstrong. Everybody talks about Charlie Huff, the first ever start. Jack Armstrong made the second ever start in Marlins history. I just looked that up. There we go. So there right. has been there was an Armstrong once in the Marlins rotation. Again, longtime Marlins fans, hardcore fans, and you are there. You listen to this. You guys probably remember Jack Armstrong back in the day. <laughs> and with that, that's a perfect way to end this first half of the show. When we come back, we'll start breaking down the position players. We'll go position by position, start trying to figure out the bench, and take a crack at how some of these lineups could look as they have some ways to really have some fun with permutations of how exactly they order their one through nine on any given day. So with that, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back, everyone. So we spent the first half going on and on about the pitching. Now it's time for us to go on and on about the position players. Uh, let's just go around the diamond. We'll go position by position, look at where things are, and then try to figure out how they're going to compile what's looking like it's going to be 13 guys. It's, especially for the start of the year, I feel like it's going to be it should be, it's going to be 15-13. We can also assume if they wanted to go 14-14, we have a little fun there as well. So right. let's start off with catchers. <laughs> Uh, they only have two left in big league camp on the 40-man roster, Jacob Stallings and Peyton Henry. They optioned Alex Jackson and Nick Fortes to AAA. So as it stands at this point, obviously Jacob Stallings is going to be the starting catcher. We know that the gold glove guy, the guy they traded three guys for to get right before the lockout. And then you have Peyton Henry, who the defensive mind guy who has some pop in his bat that could, get, that could, could help when he starts once or twice a week. That part right. seems settled. But manager Don Mattingly said, nothing set in stone yet. We still have a couple of NRI guys in camp, which right. one of those guys who we'll talk about a little bit more in depth is La Tortuga, Williams Estudio. Who well, yeah, the yeah. turtle. I mean, yeah, I mean, but I, I think in, in, in general, you know, that's that's a manager speak of yeah. I've still got a week to go. And if somebody if somebody gets hurt and I need the I need to tap the depth, I've got to go to these guys. I mean, Williams is an interesting story too, right? I mean, if he makes this roster, you know, kind of out of nowhere, he could he, he's pretty versatile. I mean, he, he's played everywhere, you know, except shortstop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'd be something that another guy that fits that mold of one you could basically like the chess piece you could move pretty much anywhere and and hopefully give you some 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 quality some quality innings uh, at a certain spot. So that'd be good too. But I mean, I think that you know we kind of knew. For for me, everybody knew Stallings, and then Henry was kind of the logical fit, uh, like like you mentioned before, you know, a couple of weeks ago because of his defense. And I think the biggest contribution is just that. I mean, especially 
like we said before, if he could be the specific guy to catch a guy like Luzardo and, 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 and kind of work with him and bring up that effectiveness and get some decent quality starts out of him, that right there, I mean, I don't – the bat will be occasional probably. Don't be – I mean, you don't want him to be a glaring hole in the lineup either when he's out there. But you're not, you're not asking him to hit 250 and up per se. You're asking him to fill those roles behind, behind the plate. And working with the staff and doing what he and doing what Correct. he's doing and, and being able to count on him to not burn out Stallings every day either. Correct. Yeah. Again, that's the main thing. Again, obviously, with these guys, especially with the lineup they have and the guys they have, they don't necessarily need their catcher hitting 300 with 20 home runs. Right. They need him doing. I didn't even go that. I didn't even put that much. I said 250. No, no I know. <laughs> Shows of the bar I've got. No, no. I'm just again. They don't need him to be. The guy they don't need him to be the guy in the right. lineup who's going to be right. batting clean up, for example. Right, he, yeah. they just need him again batting seventh, eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth in the lineup. Try not to Stabil- strike out too much, yeah, yeah. 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 And basically, just stabilize the pitching staff. That's right, that's going to be their key. And then if they get offense with it, it's a bonus. Well, that's what look, I mean, that's what Chad Wallach did for a long time, yes, he did, you know, before, before he dealt with the concussions and everything. I mean. He was that guy. Was he good hitter? Great hitter? No, but look look how well he worked. Look how he was the better defensive catcher back there. Yeah, remember that. Yeah, they Don Manley started him in the playoffs over Alfaro. Right. So I mean, those 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 backup catchers, you know, sometimes I mean, those are, those are, those are a lot of the future managers sometimes because they yeah. know the game. They work so well with the pitchers. So we'll see. Yep. We'll see if Peyton can do it. Yep. And now the move across diamond first base. Obviously, Garrett Cooper, Jesus Aguilar. One will be first base. The other one will likely get DH when they're not. Two power guys. Main thing is, will Gary Cooper stay healthy? That's, mm. to me, the main question mark as we news go. News at 11. Yes. And then, obviously, they have Lewin Diaz behind them. He's in AAA. If one of them gets injured or if they end up making moves relating to one of them, whether it's for a trade, remember, Jesus Aguilar is in his last year of team control, so that's a potential trade deadline move. They've got Lewin Diaz waiting in the wings. First base right. seems pretty set in stone with how they're looking at that. Yeah. Then yeah, the, the excitement yeah. is level to see when Lewin makes it and, and see how he can go from there and really build on it. I mean, he, I, the, the bits that I was out there, even defensively, making some plays and drills, you're like, wow, okay. Like, I, I want to see more of that. Yeah. So. No, the defense is definitely unquestioned. Again, I still go back to the fan graph numbers from last year. Barely over 200 innings, and he finished second among all first basemen in defensive run saved. And, and first base, of, yeah. And first base is not like the glamorous defensive spot where you make a bunch of like highlight worthy plays all the yeah. time, but yeah. you could tell like the little, yeah. like the, the smart decisions he makes yeah. and everything. Yeah. And then the rest of the infield, second base, shortstop, and third base, it's going to be any permutation of Jazz Chisholm Jr., Miguel Rojas, Joey Wendell, Brian Anderson. And the way it's looking like based off of what I've seen from two weeks, it's going to, the primary grouping is going to be. Jazz at second, Rojas at short, and Wendell at third. And then when you need guys like whenever – if Wendell needs an off day, Anderson obviously slides in a third. If Jazz or Rojas need a day off in the middle infield, Wendell slides there, Anderson slides to third. Mm-hmm. And then Anderson will also get some time in left field. So, again, it's again it's just having the versatile parts. And like we talked about with Asadio, how he could fit in on the bench side, you're going to see with the starters too. Everyone's going to be move- – you're going to see everyone moving around. You're not going to see – I would be shocked if you see anybody playing 150 games from this lineup, but you'll see, you'll be able to see nine, 10, 11 guys who have the chance to start between 120, and 130. Not, not saying necessarily it's that good, 
but it's starting to sound, at least in terms of the method that they're going to use, starting yeah. to sound a lot like Wendell's uh, former team, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It definitely does sound like that that team a little bit farther north in the state. It certainly mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. it produces the results they're they're hoping for. But I think Wendell's the key. I think he's gonna if he's there, if he can stay healthy and he's good, he's gonna be he's gonna be the guy that saves them so much in terms of just uh depth and, and having just a quality option at every spot. I really do. Yeah, and then obviously Anderson too, with him third base and him spreading to the outfield also. Anderson getting yeah. to play left and right, and we know right. we know the can of the army has in the outfield, so and yeah, I'm, I mean, that part I'm not yeah. worried about Brian, but I'm, I'm saying just Wendell's the key that unlocks all of that, that he's just able yes, he to does. provide to be able to move all those yeah. guys around. I think that's as long as he stays in there, I think it's going to be huge for them. Yeah. Yep. And then when we transition over to the outfield, the way it's looking, Jorge Soler or and or Brian Anderson in left field, Jesus Sanchez in center field and Avisayo Garcia in right field. Again, that's basically what you have. You have John Birdie as your utility backup for you can play second base, shortstop, third base, or any of the three infield or any three outfield spots. And that's really what you have outfield wise because they optioned Brian Day with Cruz to Triple A, which caught me by surprise because he was the only guy who had extensive center field experience out of the group. Granted, it was just by mm. extensive, I mean most of the last two months <laughs> of last season. More but than more everyone than, else. Yes. And out of what you have. Yes. Right. Yeah. So with that, it basically means they're going all in with Jesus Sanchez in center field, which he hasn't done since his lower level minor 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 league seasons with the Rays. He's looked fine mm. out there. They point out the metrics of his first jump and things of that nature, but I still it's center field. I still am gonna be reserving judgment. Lone Depot Park, yes. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. Sorry, I, not sorry. It's still habit. It's no, not it's, Mar- Lone it's still Depot habit. Park. It's still habit, yes. Uh, but I'm still reserving judgment on how well it's going to play out defensively until I see him in a live game. And I still see him in a stretch of live games out there. He's looked right. fine in spring, but that's going to be the case when it's four or five innings, you get maybe one or two balls to track in a game. I mean, he's he's always been an athletic, like, tool, you know, the scouts always look at him as, like, one of those toolsy guys that can – that can cover a lot of ground. He's got the athleticism to potentially play the position, although he was always kind of projected to be a corner guy, not not in center. But we'll see. I mean, and again, the challenge of those dimensions out there in center, too. I mean, that's not a, that's not the easiest part to handle that position. And, and, and there's going to be others around the league, too. I mean, even right off the bat, I mean, that's, you know, up, up at, let's say he starts the very first series. That 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 can that 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 has there's spots if I remember correctly at, at, at Oracle that yeah. you could run for days out there. It's not fun. It does yeah. not look fun. So I think it's isn't it right center where it's like kind yeah of, right center if I remember correctly is the, the wall is way like right before you know not, not in front of a Covey Cove like a little bit more towards center. I mean that could those are those are tricky spots out there too. So it's going to be interesting. You know if it, once balls are hitting the gap there how they how he handles it. We'll see. I mean. Again, I think that athletically, the kid, he's got he's got the speed, he's got the you know the 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 tools to 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 play it. It's more, I think, the like you said up here, like the the instincts of knowing of playing the position, reading out, re, you know, tracking balls out there, that sort of thing. Let's see how he handles it. Yeah, that right center part at Oracle is four hundred and fifteen feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's yeah. the cavernous uh, gap out there that yeah. that that's killer sometimes for for opposing teams. You know, so again. 
and that's going to be right away those first those first few games out there in San Fran. So. Yep. Yep. And then when you look at the bench, obviously you have John Birdie is one spot. Your backup catcher is the second spot. Brian Anderson slash Joey Wendell, whichever one isn't starting, is your third spot. That leaves you with one. That leaves you with one more spot to fill. Yeah. So the way that it's looking, uh, trying to map that out is interesting again because they sent most of their main guys down when you sent Lewin Diaz and Brian De La Cruz down. I had De La Cruz penciled in that fourth spot two uh, two or three days ago before the option happened. Roman but Quinn. Roman Quinn or Astadio looks like the logical spots. Roman Quinn, obviously, he's a natural center fielder, so he gives you another late in, another a spot start guy, a late in yeah. replacement guy. Or if you go the versatility route and go with Astadio and go with a guy who, again, it's a small sample size, only about 500 play appearances, but he hits. He's a career mm. 270 hitter, and my favorite side of him outside of the fact that, again, he's made a start at every position except for shortstop. He has 533 career play appearances. 488 of those 533 career play appearances for Williams Astadio ended with a ball in play. That's 91.6% of his at-bats ending with a chance for him to get on base. The other 45 play appearances, 25 strikeouts, 10 walks, 10 hit by pitches. Over 500 career play appearances. You don't see guys like that anymore who are actively getting the ball in play. It's usually, we have a lot of the all-or-nothing guys at this point. But to see yep. that is it's something that's interesting. And it got a little pop too. 22 doubles, 15 home runs, 66 RBI over those over those play appearances as well. Give me the turtle. I would like La, La Tortuga would be I say I, I say give me the turtle. everything yeah. you're telling me, I'm saying give me the turtle as insurance. Yep. Let's go exactly. with let's go with the with the turtle insurance option right here. I mean yeah. and, and and again, like we were talking about before, if if I mean, I hope not for their sake again. But if if Sanchez is a nightmare in center field, you want to have that 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 another option to go to. You know what I mean? Or if he's struggling at first, and maybe you don't want him there every all the time. Yeah, I think the bat, but not just the bat as far as hits, but the part you're saying about making contact. I mean that that's something that you don't that in this game nowadays. With so I mean nowadays, you know how it is. It's it, the strikeouts are so high around the league. If you have anyone that can cut that down, and, and and this team is also just still, remember, this team isn't going to mash, a, a, you know, a, a boatload of home runs necessarily. So again, anyone that can, the Stanton's favorite line, keep the line moving. Like anybody that could do that could do that. Yeah, I mean, this team it's just going to help so much on the offensive end too. So that that's why out of those options, I say if they if they go with one of those guys. As to the the turtle kind of fits the bill a little bit better for what you'd hope to get both yeah. in the lineup and, and out there in center. Yeah. And again, he and again, it's defense at every position. And again, for for a guy his size. And that too. Yeah. I mean, no, again, another, another his, Swiss Army knife guy that yeah. you can throw anywhere. The thing is, for a guy his size, he's 5'9, 225. Yeah, he's like he looked hence the turtle. Really, he looked really damn athletic the couple games I got to see him at third base. Like I saw him make he made a couple charges at balls that were barely hit down the line that if the starting first baseman, either of them were in the game at that point, would have made made the play, but I forget which minor leaguer it was that was there and just barely missed the grab when he extended out for it. But to watch him charge for the ball and make the play, and it was like, Brian Anderson's not out there. What's going on here? And it was just like, oh, wait, that's, that's the deal. 
If you look at his, if you look at his mugshot and you didn't know any better, you, you get like Bartolo Colon vibes or something yes. like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And, and, and you're like, really? This guy can play everywhere on the field, but yeah. then you know, but then you yeah. see and you see him and you're like, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, he has 38 career starts at third, 33 career starts at first, 39 starts behind the plate. Also, which again, that gives he caught he's ca- he's been catching bullpens on the backfield also during yeah. during camp. So. That gives right. you a potential swing third catcher catcher option without having to carry a third catcher. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, the versatility part. I think that that he's the more the more the more we talk about it, the more I think that's the obvious one to go with, especially that the, the approach that they like. Mm-hmm. More more than likely. Yeah. And now, just really quickly, just obviously, there's going to be a lot of moving. There could be some moving parts between now and April eighth. The Marlins, with their lineup, and again with all the moving parts. They can play around with the lineup how they want, depending on who they're facing. You look at, I look specifically at the lineup they used when Soler made his debut. They had Soler lead off, Cooper second, Jesus Sanchez third. Power hitting righty, power hitting righty. Your most power, you're the most power hitting lefty you have as your top three. Then they had Avisel Garcia four, Jesus Aguilar five, Joey Wendell six. Power righty, power righty, lefty. Then they went with Miguel Rojas, catcher, Jazz Chisholm, righty, righty, lefty. Again, the, the, at the most at this point with the way their lineup is, they're most likely only going to have three lefties at most in a lineup any given day. If you're able to do that two one two one two one approach, and it makes sense, go ahead and do it. If you want to go power up top, they have the option. If they want to go with the speed first, you can keep Jazz at the leadoff. They can roll. They can roll around how they want it. They can roll with how. What's they the ballpark? Yeah, I mean, to to an extent, it's also the yeah. home ballpark and the dimensions there too. I mean, we yeah. said it when we projected this lineup. We're not; it wasn't this lineup, but when we projected, kind of looking at the farm system like two, three years ago, said this is going to be lefty heavy when the time comes. If they yeah. if every guy pans out, you know, and some of them haven't gotten there yet, you know, like Blade and others, but that's that's by that's by design. You know, to, to to play those dimensions in eighty-one of your games, and then you know, and then also there's some ballparks, obviously, around the league that it would help as well. But yeah, I mean, and again, that lefty-heavy stuff. Again, what? Not to put them in that category just yet, but what team does that remind you of again a little bit? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So, yep. And like you mentioned, with the lefties on the way, you have JJ Blade, you have Lewin Diaz, got some of those guys who are on the cusp or have been here and are an injury or remove away from giving you four or five lefties in the lineup on a regular basis. So that Yeah. I mean, you're going to have, and the way you stagger them there, but especially at the top, that'll be interesting. You said if there's very lefty heavy at the top, especially the power options, I mean, you're trying to, you're trying to set the table every game early on to get a lead for your, for, for your, your stud, starting pitcher you know what i mean and that's they have to they have to it's a it's a it's a sound strategy obviously executing it but making it and making it happen is a whole other thing but at least going in the plan seems sound as far as line of construction if that's the route they go yep exactly and we are eight nine we're about 10 days away from it actually happening 10 days away from getting out there i'll be in san francisco in eight days from now and days away, you get out of the wharf, hanging out. Yep, get to go back to the wharf, get to have bread bowl. Unfortunately, can't do any of the shellfish stuff, but I will 
vicariously enjoy that through all the other people out there. And then two days in Anaheim after that, and where wow. I will, where we'll most likely potentially get to see Shohei Otani pitch the last game. Mm. So there you go. See that little two-way action there. If we don't see that, I'm hoping we can see at least once in one of the two series. Luckily, two games out there, two games at Lone Depot. I'm hoping I get to see, get to watch him in two-way action at least once in person while while they play them this year. Yeah. Well, the rule the rule was uh what what was still would still allow right now that the yeah. now the pitchers can stay that way yeah. and yeah, stay no, in they, the game. Yeah, they adjusted. They made the Otani rule. Yeah, the Otani rule. So there yeah, you go. So, now, I mean, so once Otani's done pitching, they'll slide. He'll get slotted in as a DH afterward, and then the pitcher just gets removed from the pitcher part of it gets removed from the lineup. Right. So and again, I like that it's making that it's encouraging more two way players to and it's encouraging the two way the two way factor to try to get more guys like that. Yeah, I, mean, we have, I know you're. Oh, well, you see him here. coming up more. Yeah, I mean, we have a kid. We have a kid down here in Miami Dade. We have a high schooler at, at your alma mater who's trying to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, well, we have a guy at my alma mater who who pitches with both hands, which yeah. you know that's that's a whole other that's a whole other crazy uh crazy cool circumstance there. But uh, but yeah, I mean, but I think in general the two way player. We've seen it, and it's not that it's not that brand new. I mean, last few years we've seen more and more guys coming up through the ranks, of, you know, from college and so on that are doing this. Yeah. yeah. So it's becoming a thing, and 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 good because, yeah. I mean, like Natalie said, it's painful to watch sometimes pitchers. You know, some of these pitchers hit a lot of these pitchers, the, the large percentage of them, because yeah. it's just not emphasized as they're as they're developing and they're, when they're on the way up in the youth and so on. Yeah. So the D, the universal DH, I mean, I, I like it. I think it helps a lot. A lot of teams are going to benefit from it. I think it this really year, not just the Marlins. Yeah, no, and players too. The players who were basically DH only this one, they have 15 more teams they can get job yeah. offers from now. This, if point. you look at if you look at contracts in recent years too, like these, especially these long term deals that a lot of guys have been getting, where you're like, holy crap, like this guy's really going to play 10 years there. Maybe not 10, but you get closer to that now because you're your shelf life as a player extends because of the fact that maybe you later in your career, you can be moved to be that DH guy and not have to play the field all the time. So a lot of, a lot of factors where you could tell this was kind of coming and finally it's good that baseball made it happen. Yep. No doubt about it. And with that, that's going to wrap up this week's episode of fish bites. Thanks so much, everyone. And when we, when we talk to you again next week, we're going to be doing our season preview. So yeah, yeah it's already Almost here. There. It's it's hard to believe it's already here since again we I've only been up here two weeks. It, it went past. I, I I feel like I had my New Year's Eve hangover the other day. Like like where did where did where did February go? Where did where has March gone? Like it's already April almost. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So yeah. So thanks so much for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. <laughs>